And so we want to talk to you today about the Jesus story and about what story does for us and invite you in to the story. I'm a very big proponent of story. My mom, whenever I was, um, I thought those were the tip buckets. I'm a little... Um, evidently, after three minutes, he figured, that's nah, not going to work. Um, my, um, my mother is a little Irish lady, and she said, you're going to be, when I was just three or four, she said, I think you're going to be our Shenaki which is an Irish word meaning the storyteller that holds people together, by a, like, a, like a Welsh bard. And I want to talk to you about story and about meaning. We need a story. And if we don't watch out, we just stumble about in the character, as a character in somebody else's story, and we come out the other end not knowing what part we played and if our life is any, worth anything or not. So I want to tell you a story. It's a story you've heard before. But the thing about this story is, it's not just a story. It's your story. You're in this. You are a player here. Like all good stories, it starts with once upon a time. Okay, technically it starts within the beginning, but that's pretty close. And we're introduced to a God. And we're not told much about him. We're not even told why he exists or how he exists or how he creates or what it is. But he just creates. And then we're told you can know a lot about him by what he created. And that's very true. I wasn't trained in ministry. It's probably obvious by now. I'm, I'm a scientist. And whenever I look at nature, I see God. Because God is all over it. And the way that he made things that we... Well, all right, let's just cut to the chase. God could have made the animal and the plant. The animal eats the plant. We eat the animal. He's done Monday, 9.30, latest. <laughs> but instead, the, the incredible artistry, the incredible beauty, the incredible variety. He doesn't make flowers. He, ma he fills the worlds with flowers. He doesn't make mammals. He just he makes all kinds of them. He makes all kinds of anything that he finds. And in fact, he keeps making them because they keep changing. And it's, it's beautiful. I mean... He made things we don't need. He made giraffes, for example. <laughs> now, understand, I'm, I'm pro-giraffe. Uh, I, I don't lay awake at night going, giraffes. I'm, I'm cool with giraffes. But we don't need them. You can almost see him making them going, no, wait a minute, there you go. <laughs> and it's just for fun. He taught bees how to dance. Yes. He lifted up the back end of monkeys and painted rainbows just to, <laughs> to make us have awkward conversations at the zoo. Oh, he, he made birds sing all kinds of songs and he had bits left over, so he made a platypus. You know, just there's no need for a platypus. That's who we see, and it's beautiful, and it's fantastic, and God says, this is good. But then something goes wrong. Now, we don't know much about why and how it went wrong. Most of what you know about how the devil went wrong, you didn't get from God. You got from this horrible man called John Milton. Now, he was an evil poet, because I had to read the stuff. 
But he was also this, because just work with me a minute here. He wrote a book called Paradise, then he got married and wrote Paradise Lost. <laughs> oh, I'm not done. Then he wrote a book called, oh, well, his wife died, and he wrote Paradise Regained. I rest my case. This is not a good guy. Now, if you're an English major here, sorry, that was, that was a wrong road to go down, wasn't it? Uh, so many lines. Anyway, something goes wrong, and we're introduced to this dragon, this snake, this evil thing that insinuates itself into the story. Now, we get some hints out of Jude and Second Peter and the like, and maybe Ezekiel and Isaiah are talking about that as well. It's really hard to tell, frankly, if they're just talking about an earthly king or if it's a cross-reference to the devil. But whatever's going on, we get a hint from Jude and Peter whenever they say some angels refused to keep their position. They didn't like the plan. And I want you to hear me very carefully here. In some ways, they had a point. God is so fantastic that angels swinging around in heaven can't stop saying, holy, holy, holy. God, it's very important. God did not create angels to feed his ego. The angels are not reacting to feed God's ego. They're reacting to the fact that God is so holy, you don't get over that. And they're always going, wow, in his presence. And then God tells them, I'm going to go down, put skin on, sweat, and walk among them. Let them kill me, and then save them and elevate them above you. And some of the angels said no. And we know from the book of Job that Satan says they will never love you. They will never be faithful to you. And the only way you can get them to like you is if you keep giving them stuff. And if you don't give them stuff, then they won't love you. That's our story. Because God created the apple of his eye, Adam and Eve, humankind. And the devil counter moves and says, God didn't give you enough. He's holding back on you. There's good stuff out there. Look at that tree. Look at all the knowledge. Look at the possibilities. And God's holding you back. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Oh, people, it sounds familiar to everybody. Because that's the, the still what he does today. The lies he used in the garden are still the ones he used today. Why? Because he doesn't need new ones. It's working. Adam and Eve fall. Well, God being a righteous God can't have evil in his sight, so he banishes them from the garden. But God being a merciful God sets up a sacrifice system for them to come back to God. Counter move. They come back. What does the devil do? Let's go talk to Cain and Abel. Let's get that thing set up. And it's not long before the devil has control on the earth to the point where in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, the Bible says every thought and every imagination of only every man's heart was only evil continually. Five absolute words in one verse. You can start Genesis 1-1, go all the way through to the book of Maps, and there aren't any other verses that have... A few of you know that's not a book. Um, a couple of you liberals are looking for it right now. Um, Five absolute words in one verse. Everything was horrible. So what does God do? He doesn't do what you'd expect him to do. Now, if you've got a God that if you do these things, he has to do these things. And if you do these things, he does these things. You don't have a God. You've got a puppy. God does not do what we expect. So what does he do? 
God destroys everything. He loved it. He made it. He said, this is good. Who saw this coming? And how did he do it? He got the world's worst carpenter, Noah. Took him a hundred years to build a box. <laughs> I'm not making fun of him. I'm his brother. I can't do it. I've, I did make a doghouse once. My dog refused to go in it because my dog had standards. He builds, I had, I had one person correct me once. He said, no, it took him that long to gather the animals. No, the Bible says God gathered the animals. I had the feeling he saw him building the box and went, okay, I got this. Um, <laughs> brings them on in. Now, what happens next? Well, he's also the world's worst preacher because he preaches for 100 years. The only people come to church are his family. They all get in the box. The, the world is destroyed. I mean, this just, I cannot get over what God did here. This was massively unexpected. It was way over the top. God countermoved. The devil should have seen this and go, God is serious. I'm not well, okay if he's this serious, but the devil didn't do that. There's not even dry yet. And he literally gets Noah naked, drunk, and stupid and starts splitting the family. It's not long for the world's gone dark again. Move, counter move. Learn that phrase because that's your life. Move, counter move. You're part of this story. Now what happens? Well, God goes where you wouldn't expect him. There's a city named Ur, which fascinates me, frankly. That had to be the shortest committee meeting ever. What are we going to name it? Ur... Okay. <laughs> they worship, it is the headquarters of the worship of the moon goddess whose name is Sin. You wouldn't expect God to show up there and look for a prospect. Taps the guy on the shoulder, says, you don't know me, let's go in the desert. I'm going to take you away from everything you've ever known. And Abram goes. Now, Abram... He's a great hero of the faith. I'm not taking anything away from him, but we wouldn't let him lead a prayer in our church. The things he did, twice a guy looked at his wife and he goes, you want her? Don't hurt me. We frown upon that. He, he didn't have a good concept because he hadn't read the book and he hadn't gone to Bible class. He didn't know the story. But through all the moves and the counter moves and the devil bringing in, you know, committee meeting with Hagar and then comes Ishmael and all this other, God eventually brings Abram to Abraham and makes him a good man. But it's not long before God, who brings this family, turns them into a tribe and then turns them into a nation, finds that the devil has decided to counter move again. He brings famine to destroy the people. Some people have come to us and said, isn't it horrible with the fires? Isn't it horrible with the floods? Sure, it is. But we intend to take what is meant for evil and turn it into good. To us, this is opportunity. Get in the fire. Get in the flood. Help the people. Make a change. Shine. And the darker it gets, the more you can shine. We're not afraid of this. So we're working. We don't feel... We don't feel like God has been unkind to us. We feel like, no, this is just part of the story. It's a part of the story. Well, the famine. So what does God do? God counter moves, gets them down into Egypt. 
long story that, don't have time for it, gets them down into Egypt, and they're, they're honored guests, and they're treated like honored guests, and so what does the devil do? He countermoves. He brings in a whole other line. They overthrow the Egyptian kings, put in another line, and this line doesn't like them, turns the people of God into slaves. Horrible evil. So what does God do? Not what you'd expect. You'd expect it when Moses was 40. Because he was well-educated and evidently well-muscled because he would later drive off a bunch of men single-handedly that were harassing some women. You wouldn't expect God to wait 40 more years until Moses is 80. He's been head of sheep, Sinai division, for 40 years. He's done nothing but listen to his father-in-law. And now God says, let's go. You know that country where you're wanted for murder? I want you to go to the head guy and tell him you're taking away his workforce. Moses, for some reason, doesn't think this is a good idea. <laughs> and so God helps him out. He goes, no, I got you covered. Here's a stick. Have you read this? We don't even know if it was a pointy stick. It could have been a blunt stick. An 80-year-old blunt stick and God stepping back saying, sick him. I use sickum because I think that's a southern expression. Because I don't think any of you is going to believe God said, have at it, laddie. You know. <laughs> Moses goes down. What does God do? He sends the plagues. A lot of us don't get the plagues. What the plagues were, were God, it's like High Noon, the movie. God's calling out each of their gods and shooting them down. They worship the sun, he blots it out. They worship the Nile, turns it to blood. They worship cattle, don't ask. He puts sores all over them. Uh, they worship frogs. The uh, frog-headed god Hecate was the god of the midwives who were supposed to kill the Hebrew babies. You like frogs? I'll give you frogs. He kills all of their gods and then says, come on, Moses, let's go. And they go off into the desert. They go through the Red Sea, which is a fascinating story in and of itself. Sorry, not sure if I would have gone. I think I might have said, I'll just fight Pharaoh. Because, you know, walking under fish is unnatural. Move, counter move. You're going to go with God? He's not going to do what you expect. They come to a mountain. The mountain is shaking, fire, cloud, lightning, shooting everywhere. And then all of a sudden, silence. And you hear a voice. God says, come up here, Moses. I want to talk to you. You ever wonder what Moses Felt like as he was walking up that mountain, realizing when he gets to the top, it's just going to be him and God. Here's the thing. This is your story. One of the days you'll, you'll know. It'll be your name. Well, don't get scared yet. Plenty of time for scared. God gives him the law. Moses, what does the devil do? Counter moves at the bottom of the mountain. While God's up there with Moses... The devil counter moves. Comes down there worshiping a cow. That's a serious downgrade from Jehovah. Even though they were told this is a representation of Jehovah, that's still wrong. Moses becomes the most evil man in the world because he breaks all Ten Commandments at once. Then, <laughs> it's in the Bible. God makes him go up and write him again. Comes back down. God punishes the folk. God tries to move them through the desert. Doubt, fear. 
old people, come on. We're Christians. Fear is not an option. We're not afraid of anything. What's the worst that could happen to us? We die and see Jesus. Oh, no. Please. We're not afraid. So the devil used fear, so they stayed in the desert. Isn't it terrifying that so many times God had a plan for us and we couldn't do it till we had to wait until the doubters died? And then he'd move. We got to get past that. This story is important. We got to get this story out there. Well, wrapping up the Old Testament, people, the devil threw everything he had at this group. The Jebusites, the Amalekites, the Philistines, anybody he could get, he threw against this group. Finally, we find this Greek king who destroys the Jewish system, puts up idols to himself in the tabernacle, I'm sorry, in the temple, strips it of all of its furniture and goods. He it, it just, just oh, it's horrible. And then God raises up a family with the last name of Hammer, the Maccabees. And they come in, and they clean some house. But it didn't last long. The people decide, you know something? We really like it that you clean the house, but we enjoyed being really sweet and looking like the world, so we want to act more like them now, thank you. So God had to invade the planet. How would you have done it? I would have sent some angels, because I've read the Old Testament. One of those angels in one night killed over 180,000 warriors. They were truly touched by an angel. <laughs> Heard one preacher back at Appalachia once, old-time guy beating on the pulpit, said the next morning they all woke up dead. I'm going, <laughs> which explains zombies, but I'm not really sure that that's where God was going with the story. But anyway... So just bring down a bunch of angels, clean house, show people this is a story, get your heads right. God didn't do it. He sends a baby into a not-quite-married teenage girl who for the rest of her life will be called an adulteress. rest of her life will be treated like one. Her own kids don't believe the story. We don't know what happens to Joseph. He kind of disappears after a while. Is that the way you would launch an invasion? And your first message is, peace on earth. I have goodwill towards you. Doesn't sound right, does it? Jesus goes around, loves people, says, here, follow me. Do what I'm doing. He even tells us what his mission is. And, so, and I, you know, I love the, the things for Honduras that you're doing. Uh, Jesus goes to a synagogue. There, they have a strict rotation of reading scripture in the synagogues. And who reads what scripture on what date? Jesus shows up on his date in Luke chapter 4 and gives us the mission, the story. He says this. He stood up. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Luke 4 verse 17. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the congregation, the synagogue, were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. People, I don't have time to do church fights. I don't have time 
for when brethren, one of you, can we do this and how about that? And the, no, you know what? I'm, I'm here to release the captives. I'm here to proclaim freedom. I'm here to give to the poor. I'm here to do whatever Jesus came to launch himself to do. I want to be in that story. Don't you? That's our story. I don't want to play church. I want to be the church. I don't want to just come and visit God on Sundays. I want to come celebrate him and then go out and follow him to the point where people follow me home in a good way. <laughs> Jesus, knowing that the devil's got something, he's got a weapon that needs to be taken away from him. We, you know, we keep looking at the Old Testament. Have you ever read the Old Testament and thought, how stupid are these people? Can't they see? We're the same. Look at our newspapers this morning. We're the same. And you know, it's for the same reason. The devil had a weapon nobody could take away from him. Death. Death is a big old clock out there. And as we see the hands getting closer to it, we begin to panic and panic and panic and panic. And the world tries to get you up to panic more. It'll show you commercials for drugs without even telling you what they're for, but you might need them. Ask your doctor. I look at my wife. I said, we might need that. And she goes, why? And I said, because it evidently gives you a house by the ocean. I'm not really sure <laughs> what it is, but it comes with a Labrador retriever. And... Um, <laughs> Then she gives me what she says are Skittles, but I wake up three hours later. The point, <laughs> the point is the world tries to scare you. They'll even say, you know that money you've got? The money in your pocket's worthless, completely worthless. That money, worthless. What you need is gold. So if you send us some of your worthless money, exactly, we'll give you gold. Why? Why would you give us gold for our worthless money? I don't get it, but whatever it is, panic. Panic. Do you have enough to retire on? Well, what if they change the dollar ratio and do all that? Panic. Really? Why don't Christians just feed each other and feed everybody else they can? That would be a different idea, wouldn't it? <laughs> Why don't we just take care of each other? That might actually work, but that's our story. The world wants to be afraid. They'll even panic you that you've got to get your stuff right now. A lot of you don't know about me, and that's a good thing because that's why I'm invited to speak places. But <laughs> uh, I, one thing about me that you don't know is that I'm, I'm actually a prophet. I'm going to prove it right now. This week, Kohl's is going to have a sale. <laughs> now, I know you're a bit amazed, but I'm not done. It's a time-limited sale. <laughs> it's a 24, 48, or 72-hour sale. And um, if you come extra early on one of the days, you get more off. Now, how do I know that? Because they're always having a sale. But why does it work? Because people go, it's today only. <laughs> we look over at a wife or a husband. They got a wrinkle. We go, oh, got to upgrade. We see a new car, we go, it's shiny, and we get so excited. We see somebody else with a better house, we got to top that. We're afraid. What if we die before we win? Have you ever seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul? <laughs> it's gone. Wouldn't it be? I, I tried to get educated because I married a smart American woman. 
She always graduated magna cum laude. I graduated praise the laude. It's a different. <laughs> and I can remember we did this tour of this art thing, and, and she, she knows art, and I tried. I've learned to say certain expressions to get me through the date, like, uh, oh, light and perspective, things like that. Then move before you run out of things. Like, oh, he stayed in the lines. Don't say that one. That's a bad one, evidently. <laughs> well, the whole tour is done all the way, and at the very end, the guy goes, and yet he died penniless. And I, as God is my witness, I tried to stop it. But I don't have really good verbal breakage. And I came out with good timing. <laughs> because it is. Eat your last donut, give away your last dollar, fall dead, see Jesus. I think that's a brilliant plan. But the world is terrified of death, and nobody could take death away. And so Jesus Christ girded up his loins, walked away from his friends, down into the mob, and said, let's go. And torn up and shredded and nailed to the cross, he pulled himself up on his wounded hands, and he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he was gone. Where'd he go? I know Peter talks something about preaching to the spirits in prison, and you know what that means. Neither do I. Nobody knows what that means. What we do know is that later when Mary's hugging him, he says, you know, I've not yet gone to see my father. Where was he? I'll tell you where he was. He was in the dragon's lair taking away death. The devil doesn't have that weapon anymore. He came back, he, looked, he said, said, look at all this, apostles. Don't be afraid anymore. I took it. It's gone. No more fear. None. Somebody the other day said, you know, Patrick, you're middle-aged. No, I'm 56. That's not middle. I'm not living 112 with the mouth I've got on me. <laughs> I'm over the hill. I can see the tunnel, and it's beautiful. <laughs> None of my relatives are in it, but you, you haven't met my family. Um, <laughs> I'm cool with this, because death holds no fear for us. The devil's disarmed. And if the devil comes to me and says, you know, God's holding out on you, which he does. He does that to me, he does it to you too. I can smile and say, this is a temporary state of affairs. In heaven... I get it all. And I can wait for that because I believe in my God and I believe in this story. Now, what about you? It's a good question. We hear all these stories. What do we do with it? Jesus turns to us and says, follow me. Enter this story. Be a part of this story. Everybody here, everybody here knows the move, counter move. For every Mr. Right, there were a few Mr. Wrongs. Right, ladies? Well, what, I've had one lady says, what happens if you married Mr. Wrong? Well, there's a rule in life that what happens to you doesn't really matter. It's what you do with what happens to you that matters. It's how you play what you have in your hand that matters. I think my wife married Mr. Wrong. Don't amen that, sweetie. Um, but she's working on me. She, you know, I married up, she tells me, and I, I'm, I'm working hard 
to get better. We're all part of the story, the move, counter move. We've all made bad errors, haven't we? We've all made the wrong, we've all listened to the devil and stupidly said, okay, and look what he did to us. So now God says, come out of there, join Jesus' story, and bring other people along with you. Rescue them. Put your arm around them and tell them, you're not just a, a, a mistake in the cosmos. You know, do I know exactly? i got to check my time because they told me I have to get off here eventually. All right, there we go. They, uh, they didn't word it quite that way. Uh, all right, here we go. I don't know exactly how God made everything because he didn't really explain that. He just gave us a story, and, and I believe the story. Uh, it's, you can't explain quantum physics to a cricket, and I'm pretty sure that's about how it would be like if God tried to explain this to us. And so what does he do? He just tells us a story. But it makes a lot more sense than the other story, which is once upon a time, there was nothing. Nothing. Stop it. You're thinking. Nothing. And then it blew up. And we got pandas. <laughs> I, uh, I lived near Northern Ireland for a long time, and when post offices blew up, you didn't get daisies. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. But they'll say once upon, you know, and then it blew up and it was fire and it was spinning around and it was, it was very hot. Now, this particular one, still very hot, don't touch. Um, it has icky bits on it. Um, there's, there's an ooze of some sort. And, and then we get wiggle. We got a wiggle in the bit. And um, it's growing scales and a tail. And it's, it's frolicking in, in the ooze. And then, then one day it says um, legs pop out of it. And, and it goes, I think I'll go for a walk. And it, and it leaps. It leaps from the ooze, and it hair, hair everywhere, and big old long tail, and, and it runs around and, and jumps up into trees, and, 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 and it eventually tail falls off, falls off, and it comes down, and it shaves, and it becomes, <laughs> it becomes um, a Darwinist. Um, <laughs> basically, from goo to you by way of the zoo. Now, um, You know, people have asked me, don't you believe in evolution? I believe in evolution, don't believe in Darwinism. Let me explain the difference. God did not make a poodle. I know God. He wouldn't have done that. <laughs> God made dog. We bred dog till it looked like an, excuse, uh, an explosion in a Q-tip factory. <laughs> we did the poodles. Evolution happens all around us. My son's six foot five. That didn't come from me. I tell everybody it did. I said I wasn't using my height. I just loaned it. But that's, we all know things develop. But it all began with a, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Which means you're not an accident. You're part of God's story and you've got value. You mean something. Red and yellow, black and white, you are precious in his sight. And the world will tell you, you don't measure up because you're too fat, too thin, too tall, too short, too poor, too rich, too left, too right. You know that you hear it. And God says, no. 
Come home, child, into the story. And follow me in the story. This church loves you. I know that because I know some of your elders. And I know the love they have for you. I'm going to ask your prayer warriors and elders to surround this facility. I'm going to ask you, if you're having trouble getting your part of this story, go talk to one of these. Pray with them. Don't leave here thinking God's holding out on you. God's holding open his arms for you. He wants you in his story because it's your story too. Pray and follow him. God bless.